Hey guys, this is Eric Bento with Government to Private. We have Terry Owens here with us tonight. Super excited about this. Uh, if you're not already aware or this is your first time tuning in, this podcast is meant to show you all the different ways that you can transition successfully from the government side of the house to the corporate world. There's just not one or two ways. There's numerous different types of ways. And only by learning about the experiences of, of others do we get a sense of perspective about how each journey is and how you can potentially take the lessons learned and transition successfully on your own. Perry, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hey, man, I'm honored to be on. Thanks a lot for having me, Eric. Absolutely, brother. So you come from a former law enforcement background, just like I do. And I can't wait to hear, you know, just about your experience. I've listened to you on other podcasts before, you know, and although I wasn't able to attend GSX this past year, I heard rave reviews about, you know, what you did there. And I'd just love to hear a little bit about your law enforcement career and what you did there. Yeah, so it's funny. You know, you think back and you look at uh, your past and even before law enforcement, I knew this was kind of the industry I wanted to get into. And uh, I mean, it started back way back with uh, J.C. Penney, uh, Jacques Penney <laughs> or whatever you what, whatever you want to call it. And uh, Jason Choplifters. And, you know, at the time, I thought it was a great idea. But you look back and you're like, boy, I was stupid. You, you look <laughs> back and you, you think, man, that was just really, really dangerous. Uh, you know, encountering those people, you're not armed and you, you, you don't have, you know, you don't have the training that you have in law enforcement and things like that. So, you know, even be, even before law enforcement, um, you know, I, I kind of knew I wanted to get into the industry and, uh, you know, I had an opportunity with, uh, the Kansas city police department and man, I, I really did. I had, I had a great time there. Um, uh, I did, you know, just right about 15 years with KCPD, you know, and I, I did everything from patrol to investigations, and I was a sergeant, and uh, I got to supervise a, you know, a proactive squad. And, and you know, you think back to all the interesting things you you do, and it, when you talk to people that don't encounter that world all the time, they look at you like you're. They're like, "There's no way that could happen." <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, it it can totally happen that way." And you know, you see all these different things. Um, but towards the towards the end, I, you know, towards the end of that fifteen years, I just, I really felt like I, I had so much more potential, you know, in the gut in the government world, you, you it's really a defined path. You do X, you do Y, you do Z, and that's really about it. it you know, you go from being an officer to a detective to a sergeant to a captain to a major, uh, deputy chief or chief or whatever you want to do. But that's that's it. And so I started thinking about, well, what do I really want to do? Do I, do I want to stick with this or do I, do I want to, you know, venture out and take that leap, which by the way, was absolutely terrifying. Uh, and anybody who tells you that it's not terrifying, they're lying to you. Uh, but back in like 2010, I met this guy named Steve Brown. He was the, uh, director of global security for a huge engineering firm in Kansas city. And uh, he was part of ASIS. And, you know, I always kind of kept that on the back burner going, oh, maybe I'll join this group. Maybe I won't. And, uh, you know, right around that 2020-ish, you know, I had a couple close calls. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that worked for KCPD that had been shot. Um, you know, I, I started thinking about, okay, what's what's my long-term goal going to be? What's Where's this going? And I sat down with my wife, which, by the way, is – so important, including that family. And we can talk about that in a little bit. But I, I started looking at, well, I can't just make that leap. That's just that's just kind of foolish. So uh, I got, I started studying for the CPP. And I will tell you, Eric, I have nev never felt so stupid in my entire life. I, I thought about it, you know, afterwards going, man, there, there's so much material that you never <laughs> think about as a cop. You, you just... You're like, who who gives a crap? What is the difference between a passage set and a uh, office lock and a you know a classroom lock or a store? Who cares? Uh, right. But you know, in, 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 in the real world, it, it means a lot, and you don't realize how little you know until you start doing it. And 
you know, I passed by CPP and for, by the grace of God, I passed it on the first time because I, I had, I really did not want to take that again. I, I will, I will tell you quite honestly that uh, I was so nervous. I, I was probably, I mean, I probably had dead stains everywhere because I was so, I was so <laughs> nervous thinking, thinking about that. But, uh, you know, I passed it and, um, you know, I started applying for jobs. I was like, you know what? I've got my CPP. I've got my law enforcement. Man, I'm going to start applying for jobs. And uh, there's nothing like a, a good batch of failures to really humble you. So I was like, what do you mean? You know, what? why am I getting all these rejections? Why, what is happening here? And it's not that they, uh, kind of like you talk about, it's not that they were rejecting me. It's that they were rejecting what I was giving them. And yeah. so... You know, I went in, I went and had somebody, you know, look at my resume and I was like, man, that resume that I put out before, yeah, it was pretty pitiful. Like, uh, you know, you look at the grand scheme of things, you're like, uh, that was, that was pretty awful. But you, you start talking to people and, um, you know, there was a job with a major tech company that was in, uh, in Omaha and I, was, I just wasn't in love with it. I, I just, I, I really didn't want to move. I, I I was on it and I was very wishy-washy about it. And I'm sure that didn't come across well during the final interview, but um, I was sitting on uh, sitting at the uh, desk sergeant's area with another guy uh, named Bruce and uh, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to show him this podcast sometime, but I'm sitting next to him and I, and I walk by and uh, I walk away and he, he comes back. He's like, Hey, there's some guy from uh, Facebook on the line. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I, I, you know, I totally thought he was screwing with me <laughs> in this. Uh, so I pick up the phone and uh, it was Carlos Francisco, who I had read his book. You know, I'd read his book and uh, he's like, hey, this is Carlos Francisco from Meta. I was like, like the author? He's like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you, you think about that. So they were coming to town to start on a data center. And during that during the conversation he you know we went to dinner one night and he talked about contract guard service and you know as a cop you know all you think in security you're like contract guards whatever and i was like you know what i need to know more about it and so uh a guy named mike benton who we we call the godfather of the cpp he has helped so many people uh pass their cpp he he put me in touch with a guy named uh ryan smith who owns titan security and uh i was like hey Ryan, I need to know more about this contract guard service. And, uh, you know, during, you know, he agreed to meet up with me for coffee. And, man, we we had a great conversation. But he's like, hey, do you have a resume? I was like, yeah. And so he sent it on to somebody that's hiring. And that's how I ended up with my current company is just those connections. Just like, you know, you talk about another podcast, you talk about all the time. But that's that's kind of my story, man. I, I went from, you know, not being able to understand what's going on to, you know, holy crap, you know, we went to like light speed and, uh, well, I guess it'd be a light speed. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I love it. You know, one of the things, this kind of dovetails with what we were talking about before we hit record is every single person's story is so unique and different. And that's one of the most, that's one of the beautiful things about not only like where we are in life, but also the joy that we get and helping others accomplish the same thing. And you know, I, I sit here and I listen to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and they all have different stories, but they're looking for the same thing, you know, and, you know, I love really like your story about how networking and relationship building and it's all about who, you know, was able to give you the job that you're currently in, you know, and so in, in your current role, what are your responsibilities? Uh, everything. No, uh, so, uh, no, so I, I'm the first person in the role for my company and, you know, they had some contract guard service and all that stuff. Uh, but there was really, there wasn't a whole lot of, it was a lot of security by committee. So going through and ironing out things, getting things straightened out, uh, getting emergency planning going, uh, making sure the access control was up to snuff, um, you know, making sure that the camera systems are up to snuff. Um, so for example, you know, I have multiple locations across the country. Well, now 
What I do is the access control. We have it across the country. We don't have a bunch of different, we don't have a bunch of different uh, systems. It all is one and creating that physical security standard. You don't realize how important that is until you are part of an organization where they depend on you. I, if there's a failure, it's not on anybody else. It's on me. And uh, now, now that that's really my world, um, my wife uh, used to make fun of me all the time because, you know, we'd go to the restaurant and I'd be picking out people. I'm like, oh, yeah, that that dude, look how he's acting. Now I'm looking at cameras going, oh, my gosh, look at that wire hanging out. <laughs> you know, Why do they still that, have analog? That, what is going on yeah, here? That's some <laughs> that's some Indala technology. Oh, my gosh, what is going on here? Look at that lock. There's a... I can't remember is it for uh, Asa Abloy, Benji. He calls him Benji the door dork. Uh, and I always see I him posting, post, yep. yeah, posting funny things. But, it, you know, that's what I kind of feel like. I'm like, wow, I, I've turned it. I've turned into a security nerd. Oh, my gosh. What what had happened to me? Uh, but, I mean, it's been a really interesting transition. Uh, but the fact that if you don't go out and you don't talk to people, and you don't meet people and you don't put yourself out there, then there's no reason for you to even, you know, be looking because that's yeah. what people, that's what people are looking for. There, um, there's a guy named Chris Walker. He recently passed away, but he was, uh, he was a professor at TCU. He wrote the business principles and he talks about that people leave in law enforcement. They come into, uh, they come into the corporate world with a hammer and they're just trying to break everything. And it, it, the intentions are really good, but how you, you know, how you go about it can be, can make all the difference in the world. So, you know, one thing I want to, I guess, focus on is, you know, you went from a sergeant at, you know, Kansas city to a director of security for a company. What was that transition like going from a sergeant to the number one security guy at a company, like how quickly did you have to learn things, you know, and quickly learn or quickly transition your mindset to, okay, how do I do this job at an executive level when I don't have any experience doing a lot of it beforehand? Yeah. So the biggest smack for reality for me was when an incident happened and one of the executives asked me, well, what do you think about this? I'm like, holy crap. Oh, they want me to answer. Not they want an <laughs> opinion. No, they want they, right. they want me to answer. This. They want my answer. Um, so I, I think that it, it was kind of a, the company I worked for, they did a really amazing job of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, doing those baby steps into that. And, that is not every company and not everybody's going to have that experience. But the experience I got uh, was really good because that company had never had security, like somebody that was in this position before. Um, so it was my role to take them in those baby steps. So I at least had the opportunity to grow as, as the company was adjusting to having that type of security role. Um, but it was really... It, it was really weird for probably the first six months. I was like, well, um, what am I going to do? You know, like, you know, there, <laughs> there's gotta be, you know, and, and no, there was plenty to do, but, you know, but you think about in law enforcement where you're supervising multiple people, you could be supervising multiple functions. Well, here you're going, okay, well, what all needs to be done. And you walk around and you, you don't realize what you're looking at. You can read it in manuals all you want. Um, but fortunately I had a, uh, a VP of it security, um, uh, that was kind of introduced me to some of the cyber, the cyber side, making sure things are on the proper VLANs. And that's a term that's a, I, I'll that was a term that was, I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, V what, what, the, what the hell are we talking about here? You know, who are you talking about VLANs and you're talking about, uh, you know, LPA or POLP, the right. you know, principal privilege, depending on, or at least privilege access, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, so adapting to some of that terminology and adapting, uh, you know, to some of that, you know, some of those concepts, you do it in law enforcement, but you're not really in charge of it. Yeah. And in this case, 
it's, you know, you have the cyber side, but on the physical side, it's my responsibility to protect somebody where they never even make it to the cyber side. Yeah. So are you primarily responsible for physical security or are you, are you transitioning to a converged? No, I, I have, I have the physical security so that, and that is my primary role. Uh, I've just been incredibly fortunate to have somebody that, you know, is in that cybersecurity role that has kind of helped me along, um, you know, introduced me to some of those other concepts that otherwise you wouldn't be able to do, which, I mean, if if you're transi transitioning from law enforcement, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to manage a contract guard service. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's not, that that comes with its own set of problems, but it's not as bad as, uh, I shouldn't say not as bad, not as difficult as, oh, I'm managing contract guard service, plus I'm managing an access control system, plus I'm managing cameras. Oh, hey, by the way, we've got locations across the United States and, you know, we got to figure that out. And, uh, hey, we're opening offices in other locations. So, uh, you know, good luck. No, I'm just kidding. No, the, <laughs> you, 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 start think, you start thinking about those you start thinking about those aspects and you just don't ever get it in law enforcement. Um, mm. So yeah. having to take that step back and learn from others because you'll sit around the table and it's not, Oh, you may not be the smartest guy in the room. No, you're not the smartest guy in the room. You need to yeah. listen to other people that are professionals in the industry. And, you know, having that, having that Rolodex to go, Hey, Mike, Hey Carlos, hey, um, you know, hey Roy, you know, all these people. Hey John, I, what's this? Have you ever run into this situation before? I think that is the absolute key. Is if you don't have that rolodex of resources, then that would have made it. I mean, it would have made it damn near impossible. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it kind of leads me into my next question, which is. You know, beyond the the personal relationships, what other resources are you utilizing to stay abreast of emerging trends, um, upskill yourself, learn more about the scope of of your remit, et cetera? Yeah. So as you're as you're looking at um, as you're looking at product, as you're looking at things that are trending, um, being careful of who you listen to is really important because. Uh, there's a lot of people in the industry that are out there to sell you whatever crap they can sell you. So making sure you're relying on, I, I mean, sales, they will, they will sell you whatever. I mean, if you're willing to buy it, they will give you whatever you want. Uh, but taking that time, like, for example, like the fusion center puts stuff out. So you, you need to pay attention to what fusion centers are talking about. Um, you need to be, ta uh, you know, ASIS puts out a ton of news uh, ATAP, which is uh, America, uh, Association of Set Threat Professionals. Assessment Professionals, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, they put out articles, um, you know, putting out the, reading some of the cybersecurity awareness too, because there's so much crossover now between the physical and cyber side. Mm. Uh, you know, and I, I, I would be, I would be lying to you if I said that I understood uh, you know, a 10th of the stuff that's going on with the cyber side. Um, but you have to at least understand some of the terminology yep. uh, to know what's going on. So, I mean, reading from credible sources like ASIS, ATAP, um, I, I can't remember, uh, CISA put stuff out. Um, you know, they, they, they will put out a lot of good active shooter stuff. Secret Service put stuff out. Um, they put out classes and, you know, you, you think in law enforcement, you do your um, annual in-service and they talk about active shooters. Well, you only talk about, oh, well, here's the active shooter and here's how to deal with it. You don't think about all the business continuity. Of how do we get the business back up and working? You know, how who is going to be notified? How, who's, you know, how are we going to notify our employees? Who's going to notify them? You know, what are we going to do after? Because that's just the start of it. You know, how right. are we going to bring people back to work? Uh, you know, they're going to, you know, they're not going to feel safe. They're not going to feel like, um, you know, their world has just been absolutely rocked. How are we going to, you know, bring all that together and make it work? It's kind of the same thing with emergency planning right now. Uh, you know, nobody, 
nobody can really even speak to some of the atrocities that are going on over in the Middle East right now. I mean, you can't plan for stuff like that. I mean, that's 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 craziness right now. Um, but you look at stuff like that and you're like, oh, my gosh, we need to at least be preparing as much as we can for anything that could even quasi happen in our region like that. Yeah, one thing that, you know, you quickly learn when you transition into any type or in most types of corporate security roles is, you know, what duty of care is and how, you know, in law enforcement, you know, usually you have some type of protection, you know, which is, you know, qualified immunity. And in the corporate world, you don't have anything, you know, not only are you criminally liable in a lot of countries for your failure to act or your failure to prepare and plan, but you're also civilly liable, you know, and there's regulators and there's auditors and there's so many different types of people to um, appease and ensure that your programs are operating at best practices. And, you know, you're exactly right. You know, the geopolitical tensions and the situations around the globe, but also here in the U.S., constantly force us to reevaluate our programs and ensure that they are providing the best level of service and care for our employees, our facilities, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, uh, I could talk about that for a long, a long time, but, um, you know, one thing I wanted to kind of circle back to is, you know, when you were transitioning out of, out of the PD, was there anything that you did that, you know, you wish you wouldn't have or didn't have the type of result that you were thinking it was going to? Um, so there's two things. One was um, learning terminology beforehand. Like we, you mentioned something, duty of care. Um, duty of care is a big one. Premise liability, understanding um, more than just the criminal terminology. Um, that is an absolute must. You have to understand a lot of that. Uh, but the one of the other things that I wish I would have done earlier is consulted people about um, like resumes, resume, 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 um, you know, because you're going to be, you know, you did a podcast with somebody who talked about the ATS, um, you know, the Society for Human Resource, SHRM, Society for Human Resource Managers, um, knowing those things is so big. Uh, I wish I would have consulted somebody about that long before. And then uh, when, you, when you're talking to a recruiter, well, what to say, what not to say, you know, how to make yourself not sound um, like you're going to come in with a hammer that you can be personable. <laughs> that you, they're, they're, they're. Yep. So I, I see all these people on LinkedIn and Eric, you, you have to see it too that uh, they'll hit me up on LinkedIn. And the number one thing I see pop up is a picture of them in uniform with their flag in the background. And hey, I, I love the US. You know, I'm very proud to, to have been in law enforcement for so long, but they're not looking to hire. They're not looking to hire a federal agent. They're not looking to hire a police officer. They're looking to hire somebody to be a crisis manager. They're looking to hire somebody who can handle, um, you know, that they can look to when crisis situations come. Because that's really that's really what it's all about is secure yeah. all security is is a bunch of inconveniences. Uh, but mostly what you're there for is to give them direction and give them perspective when a crisis happens. And that way they can rely on it. But um, I <laughs> and I cannot remember who what who was because I made that exact same mistake. You know, here I was. I had a picture of me in uniform with a. Yeah, I think it was my promotion when I got promoted to being a sergeant. I was like, oh, this is a great picture. And uh, someone's like, hey, by the way, that's not what we were looking for. I was like, what do you mean? And <laughs> they explained it to me. I was like, I I never would have thought about it like that. So getting getting perspective on things. Uh, but I learned a lot just from talking to people. Uh, you know, I would go and connect with people. And I was so amazed how many people would just talk to you. It was it was crazy how many people would be were willing to talk to you, uh, but if you never even bothered to reach out, yeah, you know that's a, that's a missed opportunity. If you don't want it, then it's not going to be there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talked to probably the major, like I would say, forty percent of my clients are in the patrol capacity, 
and the rest are at the SES, chief of police or command staff level. And, you know, the patrol guys, I hear this constantly is like, well, no one wants my experience. And I'm like, well, police officers or police officer isn't a job title that people are searching for, you know, but investigator, crisis manager, you know, business continuity analyst, you know, plans officer, whatever the case may be, those are job titles that people in the corporate world are searching for. And if you look at your experience and then you help and someone can help you translate it to what it would be in the corporate world, then all of a sudden you realize that every single skill that you have is directly transferable to the private sector. It's just called something different. It's just in a different language, you know, and that dovetails exactly with what you were talking about. You know, um, people just have to recognize that, you know, whatever you, whether you've been in law enforcement for five years or 30, you know, your mindset has to change, you know, the way that you consider, you know, your environment and the culture and the language, all of that has to shift. And yes, you can do it on your own, but it's so much more valuable and it's so much more, at least in my opinion, it's a lot easier to engage people who have gone before you and who have made that journey to help you on your own journey and hopefully make you let you make a little fewer mistakes than you might have. Yeah, and kind of to uh, to uh, piggyback on what you were talking about, um, so I was, I was thinking about this. I'm looking to the right, and I've got a bunch of challenge coins. And uh, what I did is uh, when I was getting ready to transition is when people would talk to me, you know, hey, by the way, go Chiefs, uh, just so you know, uh, and that will come into <laughs> play just for a second. Uh, so in 2020, uh, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Um Love it or hate it. I'm sorry for the 49ers fans. Uh, but we had the Kansas City Police Department make made a Chief Super Bowl coin. And so when people would agree to talk to me, like I, I probably spent, you know, probably 300 bucks or something like that on getting these. I think I've probably got 30 of them. But when people would agree to talk to me, I would say, hey, you know what? Thanks a lot for talking to me. Uh, would you be willing to give me your or send me your address so I can send you a coin? And that that small thing means so much to people. And you were talking about 40% of your people that are in patrol. I guarantee you those departments have coins. And I can look over here at these coins on, on my wall and I can tell you pretty much where I got every single one of them. And, uh, yeah. you know, you, you probably get a ton of them. Uh, but that small token means a lot to people, especially if it's something unique. Um, it gives you that opportunity to brand and then follow up with them, you know, after, Hey, did you, you know, cause generally they'll send you Hey, thanks for the coin. Continue that conversation with them. Uh, say, Hey, you know, in a month or so, would you be willing to chat again? Just, just a short conversation about whatever. Um, but if you, if you make yourself stand out those connections, that that's the difference between you getting a job and being referred to a job and you sitting there going being frustrated. So that that's something that I did is I used those coins to my advantage. And you know, that 300 bucks that I spent on coins, holy crap, man. You know, people pull that out all the time. You know, I go visit cities, they're like, Oh, do you remember when you sent that to me? And in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember that at all. But I guarantee they remember <laughs> when they got it. Yeah. Kind of like I remember when I you know, I can go through uh you know, I can go through that collection, I can tell you. Pretty much every single one of those who gave them to me. That's awesome. I love that. It's just it's just a way to connect people, you know, but it's also a way to build that relationship and to maintain it in some way, shape or form. You know, um, you mentioned earlier in our conversation about the the importance of family, and especially when you're making that that transition decision. Can you talk us through that? Yeah. So the first time I, I talked to my wife, um, you know, I was like, hey, you know what, I'm thinking that, you know, I I may need to look into another career path. And she gave me that look like, are you out of your mind? Uh, you know, it, it, and it's mostly because I hadn't, ex- you know, hadn't explained context. But for the last 15 years, that's that's what we did. We did law enforcement and, you know, it's a way of life. Um, that, that's how it is. But uh, I, I sat down and talked to her about it. And I said, hey, you know, I think that long-term, this is probably better for me. 
and then she then she opened up about you know I'm glad you told me this because I've been keeping it to myself because of you know I knew this was our career she you know she told me all these different things about um you know all these worries she had and all this stuff that was going on um so including your family in the conversation is so key uh because it is going to impact everybody it's going to be uh stressful it's going to be scary you're going to be like you know you, you think a couple of weeks out and you're like oh my god what did i do <laughs> you know what <laughs> but it, you're like what what in the world did i i do just do which you know it is scary but if you have that family support and that understanding of why you're doing it you know like my wife was super supportive of it um but i think a lot of it has to do with that open and honesty uh, with that family but there are i have talked to people that have uh tried to make that move without consulting um without consulting their family and it's never goes well. Yeah, that, 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 no, no, it doesn't go well. And then a lot of times it will backfire and you know, like, Hey, by the way, we're, uh, you know, we're in Kansas city now. We're, we're going to move to St. Louis. Uh, you know, nothing against St. Louis, but I'm just use that as an example. Your family may not be down for that. Your family yeah. may not want to make those moves. So uh, for me, you know, I've been incredibly, uh, blessed to have this opportunity in Kansas City, uh, but in depending on where you are, you may not have that opportunity. And if you if that is something that uh, you need to look into, you know, moving outside your area, those are hard conversations. But in having an actual honest conversation with that family is, uh, you know, that that could be the make it or break it. Yeah, you know, I don't. I was thinking about my own transition and, you know, as, as many of the listeners know that, you know, my transition was not voluntary out of law enforcement. And, you know, I don't think, I mean, I've given a lot of podcasts over the years and a lot of talks and interviews about my own transition and the mental health struggles that came out of, out of that. But I don't think I have ever talked about, you know, the, the family decision-making process, you know, because, you know, we weren't talking about, you know, okay, well, what should we do from a, should we transition? Should we get out? We were talking about like, well, what the hell do we do now? You know, what does that look like? You know, and, you know, it's a, uh, I don't know. My, my mind's swirling a little bit right now, just because I'm, I'm walking down memory lane in my mind, but, you know, what you mentioned just is just kind of like reverberating in, in there. And it is absolutely so crucial. You know, I mean, the family aspect is at least for, for me. And I know for you, the most important aspect of our lives and we have to involve them in making decisions or even evaluating decisions of this magnitude, because as much as it impacts us, it impacts them even more, you know? So um, how is, how is the work-life balance for your family now that you've transitioned out of law enforcement? Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, I was getting ready to piggyback on uh, something you said, <laughs> uh, you know, at, at some point in time, I'm pretty sure my wife's going to be like, Hey, you knew what you, I'm used to you having my evenings free to go do whatever, you know, uh, go hang out with the kids. Or, or whatever it is, but now I'm home in the evenings and it took a while to really, it took a while to really adjust to that. Um, yeah. You know, cause I worked PMs, I worked in the zone that I lived in. So I'd be able to stop by for dinner and you know, tell the kids, Hey, I love you. And uh, have dinner with them. And th they actually, uh, if there was a sergeant that had to copy a call, they always used to get a kick out of that. They get up get to get on the radio and say four ten eight copies. And someone's like, did you just turn into like an eight year old girl? Because it sounds like an eight year old girl was on the radio. <laughs> uh, so, so we went, we went from that to me being home every night and I'm not gonna lie. It was just a very strange transition. And that took some talking through. Um, it, it, it took some talking through. Okay. Well, what is reality now? 
you know, my, my wife would go to work and, you know, I'd have my mornings free to go jog around the neighborhood or go run errands or do whatever. And now, now they expect me to go to work and stuff. I'm like, what is, what is this stuff? Uh, <laughs> you, you, you think about it from that perspective. It's just a, it's just a different mindset and having to, um, having those conversations with my family, having, having the ability to have that conversation with my family that, Hey, this is going to, this is a little different. Let's adjust to it. I, I think it really, it worked out well. It's worked out really well. Um, you know, for the most part, most, most evenings, uh, are, uh, you know, are open and I don't have to worry so much about, Oh my gosh, uh, hold on. Let me count on the calendar, whether I have this, this Saturday off, uh, well, okay, this is the fifth Saturday of, you know, week four, what, whatever it is. Um, so when you're working on a schedule like that, it's really, it's just a different dynamic. And now now I'm like, oh my gosh, it, it's almost like you lose your purpose for a little bit and you have to re- um, you have to re-gauge what's important. So you have your family aspect, but it is not uncommon. And a lot of people I've talked to, you kind of feel like you lose your purpose for just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a major mindset shift, you know, and I tell, I, I tell people all the time, especially the guys in, on, on the command side of the house where they're like, Hey, I'm hitting my 30, I'm hitting my 35. I'm, I'm looking to retire. And, you know, I always have to have like a uh, expectation setting come to Jesus, call with him like, Hey, you're, you know, you're preparing really well, but just FYI, it's still going to be rough. It's still going to be tough. And, you know, the, the, not even to mention the guys who didn't transition voluntarily and who are just thrust into this new world without any time to prep or prepare. And, um, you, you're exactly right, Terry. I mean, it's a, it's a big shift. And, um, you know, when we're cops, our, our minds are, are geared toward one direction, you know, and it's hard to switch it off. You know, the situational awareness, the, Hey, I'm off Tuesday, Wednesday. So, you know, or, <laughs> you know, the, all the crappy days off that we have and, and all of, all of the stuff that, that we deal with the extra jobs and, you know, um, all, all the stuff. And then when you transition to the corporate world, it's just all that it's like hard stop, you know, and maybe you're remote, maybe you're hybrid, maybe you're in office, you know, um, you can't tell the same stories, you can't tell the same jokes, you know, your language has to change, your dress has to change, I, everything changes. And it can be a really, really rough beginning for a lot of people. And, you know, just to kind of piggyback off what you said earlier, I mean, I'm using your word now, um, you know. That's that's where talking to people really comes into play because, you know, learning from others who have gone before you and saying, hey, what should I be prepared for? You know, what is what are some things that I haven't thought about yet that I should start thinking about? You know, what are some things that I can do to better prepare my mind and my body and my family for this new transition that I'm about to undergo? Um, that is so, so important. And, you know, it's still going to be rough. It's still going to be a, uh, it's still going to be a tough experience, but there are some things that you can do to mitigate how much pain you have to go through. Well, sleep patterns, that's, that's a perfect example. You know, I, I worked one to 11, you know, I'd go, I'd go work out <laughs> afterwards and, you know, you know, if I work out, I'd go jog for 30 minutes. I call that a workout, but I mean, you know, um, but I'd come home, you know, midnight, go to bed, 1230. Uh, ish maybe you know maybe a little bit earlier than that uh eric if i went to bed at 12 30 i'd be dying in the morning i mean like that's <laughs> i mean i i mean like somebody somebody's gonna have to you know like wrangle me out of bed and th those are things that you don't even think about that that's the type of stuff where you're like wow um yeah and you, you talked about command staff you know during that transition they go from being the top tier person in that organization to 99% of the time, they are not the top tier person in that organization, you know, at that role. 
that they move into. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just hard. Uh, and, you know, doing that mind shifts, their mind shift set. Um, but fortunately, like I have, I work for an organization that, uh, you know, I was able to baby step that through. And, you know, I had a lot of grace as I went through because they were still learning at the same time. Uh, that is not always the case. And, you know, if you don't have a company that's supportive, uh, that is willing to, you know, help you work through that, um, you know, you'll get through the honeymoon phase. And then a lot of times they'll just be out. And that yeah. that's a very common trend that I've seen too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, um, now that you've, you know, been in the corporate world for almost two years, you know, what is some advice that you would give to people who are either in the transition process currently or are considering it? Uh, so some of the advice I would, I would talk about is uh, one, if, if you're working on a certification um, that that's fine, that's good. Uh, but make sure you know terminology. Um, talk to people that are inside the industry to understand terminology. Um, and like we talked about before, make sure you've talked to somebody that has had to deal with similar family issues that you've had to deal with. Hey, if you're a single guy transitioning out, okay, you're, you're not going to have to deal with that, uh, deal with it in the same way that I did. But if you have a wife and kids or a spouse and, you know, maybe, maybe you have a clan of kids. I don't know. Maybe you have six or seven kids. I don't know. Um, but having those conversations with people that have been through it, well, what was your biggest problem? Well, you know, sleeping or um, you, you, something, you know, those, that smell, something smells, you're like, oh my gosh, it reverts you back to uh, some situation you were in. Um, you, it takes a while to get out of, um, it, Mike Benton and I always kind of joke that it's almost like we have to beat the cop out of people. <laughs> we, we have Preach. to, yeah, yeah. So you have to, it's almost like you have to beat the cop out of them, uh, to get them to understand. But if you're, if you're looking at certifications, make sure you un understand terminology Read stuff from ASIS, read stuff from ATAP, read stuff from CISA. Um, there's all sorts of free courses that do um, like ICS. I don't know if you ever took the ICS course. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the ICS courses, you have people from public works there. You have people from parks and recs, parks and rec there. You have people from all over the place there. Don't sit with a bunch of cops. Go sit with that group and go talk to them. Uh, <laughs> Because, we, you know, it's inevitably, it's the cop huddle. Um, Always. Whatever agency, <laughs> whatever agency you work for, it doesn't matter whether it's your, your municipal law enforcement or your federal law enforcement at GSX. It, it was really funny because uh, I saw a group of people walking. I'm like, uh, that's a fed. That's a fed. That's a fed. Because they're all huddled together. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all wearing their they're all wearing the the USA or you know, the flag pin and all, which is, is totally fine. Um, it's just it's very easy to point out. Um, but you know, we instinctively want to stay within our comfort zone. That's why people mm -hmm. stay for twenty five years. But we want to do the cop huddle. Go to some of those classes and go sit with people that are not cops. Go sit with people yeah. that work for the fire department. Go sit with whoever. Uh, but venture out of your comfort zone just a little bit and interact with people. You know, go go watch people on uh, how many people interact with people on LinkedIn. Um, you'll see that you'll see the people um, that they'll send you a, a connection request and you're like, oh, you haven't posted in a really long time, but you're connecting with me. In my mind, I'm like, uh, yeah, that's going to be a hard no. <laughs> uh, but you can still follow or what, what, whatever yep. it is. But oftentimes it could be the, the person in law enforcement that just doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And so, or, or it could be somebody trying to scrape your LinkedIn profile, which, whichever one, I mean, it could be yeah. that one. Um, but those things are, I, I wish I would have known earlier, especially the LinkedIn stuff. LinkedIn is such a powerful tool and you can connect with people all over the world. Um, and you don't. We talked about it this uh, 
offline beforehand, you just don't realize how many people are out there in security all over the world um, that you can you can help or you can talk to. I mean, it, it's crazy, and they have similar experiences. And uh, I mean, you'd never know uh, until you have to deal with GDPR, so the government restrictions in Europe for privacy. Or you know, ITAR the uh, mm-hmm. you know the government restrictions for um, you know think um, it's like the secured facilities. Right. So you don't know about that stuff. I mean, you go through it in certifications, but you talk to those people, and you're like, "Holy crap! There is so <laughs> much more to this." And uh, you know, and it's moving to the U.S. So learning those types of things and reaching out to people. I mean, I wish I would have. Been done a lot more of that sooner but in law enforcement i i had this arrogance about me that i i was like oh i don't need that when in reality that was me just being arrogant and, and you know being stupid in my own in ways uh not really realizing not knowing what you don't know yeah i couldn't agree more and especially the last part is you know we all we all think that because of what we've done, that everyone recognizes the value. And that is just simply not the case for most jobs out there. Now, you might get lucky and you might interview with someone who's former law enforcement, maybe has a family member in law enforcement, and they have that you know, sense of context, if you will. But for most people out there, that simply does not exist. And you know, you're going to have a really hard time convincing someone that you can do the job when your resume does not reflect that. And, uh, you know, I couldn't agree with, couldn't agree more with all you said, Terry. And, um, you know, it's really, it's really cool doing all these podcasts because not only do you meet a lot of people, but you get a sense of how many people out there are more than willing to answer a message or a text message or a LinkedIn message and hop on a phone call with someone, you know, I can count on one hand over the past five years, how many times someone has actually refused to help out or jump on a phone call and stuff like that. And I just want people who are listening into this or who will listen in that all you have to do is ask, you know, and I know that's uncomfortable for some people, but so many of us are more than willing to hop on a phone call or give freely of ourselves if it means helping you out in whatever way that looks like. But you do have to take that first step. And and there's another part of that, Eric, too, is, uh, you know, you and I both have full time jobs. You know, we do we you know, we definitely help people on the side and all that. Uh, but if if we are messaging back and forth and then we randomly stop and then you don't hear back from us, Hey, follow up. It's not that yeah. it's not that we're trying, we're not, we're not a recruiter trying to ghost you. It's that a lot of times, Hey, life gets busy and we forget. Um, and then you message them like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. You know, you know, and then you kind of finish up the conversation. Um, but if you don't hear from them and you're kind of in the middle of this conversation, you know, give it a, you know, give it a couple of days, maybe give it a week or so and be like, Hey, I just want to follow up on this, this conversation or, you know, are you okay, you know, to do X, Y, or Z or whatever it is. Uh, but oftentimes people are like, Oh, I don't want to bother them. You know, I don't, I, you know, what, what are they going to think? I'm like, what do you got to lose? You, you yeah. got zero to lose and everything to gain. Yeah. <laughs> I tell that to everyone, you know, like you have nothing to lose by reaching out. You know, and if you if they say no or they don't answer, you haven't lost anything. You just move on to the next person. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say that the one final thing is I have met hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, and have built hundreds of relationships through the years through LinkedIn and just reaching out to someone. You know, obviously, you know, from a time perspective, I can't maintain all of those as well as I would like. But. LinkedIn and your ability to network and build relationships and just reaching out and asking for help can have such a profound impact on your life. And most of us don't even know what kind of impact that will, that will bring. 
you know, maybe it's something short term, but maybe it's something long term. The value is simply immeasurable. And if there's anything that you get from this conversation, from my perspective, it would be just to reach out and ask, you know, um, reach out to Terry, reach out to myself, reach out to other people who have willingly given their time through podcasts, reach out to the people that, you know, Terry mentioned, like Carlos, you know, the corporate security translator and others, because we are, we are here and we're ready to help. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of to finish up, um, you follow up with people and then you keep the conversation going. It doesn't mean that you have to message them twice a week or anything like that. But, you know, for example, um, you know, we were kind of talking about GSX, you know, you know, if you're at GSX, you know, what are, what are you doing? Hey, are you going to GSX? You know, eat. You could start conversations off like that. Oh, no, I'm not. But you, oh, but I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And you never know what the experience of that person is going to be and how you can impact their lives because you don't know what's going on in those other people's lives. Uh, you yeah. don't know. You have no idea. You have you have no idea if those people are having marriage struggles. You have no idea if they're having you know mental health struggles. You have no idea if they're having work struggles. And you just reaching out and talking to them you never know what type of impact you can have on somebody, regardless of whether you're the person in the corporate security side or whether you're the person in the law enforcement side. You could be you could be a commander of 35 years or an officer that's like, hey, I've been doing this for a couple of years, but I think something else is going on. Uh, you just never know what impact you can have on people. And that's truly what the goal is, is to have an impact, whether you're in law enforcement, uh, military, um, you know, federal agent, municipal, parking control, animal control, or whether you're an overseas operator uh, that's going and doing some ninja stuff that I'm, I can't even fathom. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know how to say it any, any better than that, brother. Words to live by. <laughs> Terry, thank you so much for, for, you know, being willing to give up your time to participate in this podcast. And thank you just so much for sharing your story and, and your journey. Hey, it's an honor. It was an honor to be on. And uh, thanks a lot, Eric. Absolutely, brother. Have a good night. Hi, you too.